What happens when a preacher and a science teacher discuss today's world from a biblical perspective? You're about to find out. This is Beaker and Pulpit Podcast. So, welcome back to Beaker and Pulpit Podcast. <laughs> Science and the Bible is there. what we're talking about. We workshopped that name a little bit, yeah. and, uh, and, well, along with several others, and, and that had some pretty positive feedback, so we're going to run with it. Awesome. So, uh, you'll represent the Beaker. Okay. And I'll represent the Pulpit. And then you can also represent the pulpit, but I'll never represent the beaker. <laughs> How about that? Oh, I don't know. You're professionally trained. I think you know an awful lot. Uh, well, I guess that'll be up to the audience <laughs> to decide, I suppose. Um, so we're talking biblical worldview, right? Yes. Obviously, that's the, the focus of this podcast. And, you know, how do you do that in the real world, right? Mm-hmm. How do you do that outside of the walls of the church? Um, it's easy to to be involved in the church and be surrounded by uh, like-minded individuals and, and not that everybody, you know, holds to all the exact same uh, beliefs when it comes to some of the minor things, but certainly the major things you would assume that uh, most folks are kind of on the same page. And, and then that's our baseline for when we discuss and disagree. And, uh, but what does it look like when you leave the walls of the church, when you leave your home, if you know, you're surrounded by, uh, believers in your home as well, and you engage a world uh, where a biblical worldview, just just those two words, right, would yes. be somewhat foreign. Uh, the idea of having a worldview, I think, might be somewhat foreign uh, for some folks because, you know, some folks just kind of live in experience and don't consider the, the broader worldview concept. Um, so anyway, that's that's the question. How do you engage, you know, this world, particularly, you know, in your field of expertise uh, when it comes to the sciences, uh, with a biblical worldview? Um, and then how do we do that, you know, in our in our personal lives with relationships? How do we do that in our professional lives with our professional relationships? And so that's where we are. And last week we we got into a bit of a discussion, you know, origins, and and we talked about how. Um, you know, you, you believe that this world began somehow, right? Yes. Um, and I think that if you dial it back and, and you really um, kind of dig down into what people believe, we all believe um, that there was this origin, there was this singularity, right? That makes sense in every theory that it had to start somewhere. Um, and, and, you know, there's all kinds of beliefs out there. You know, some people think I'm crazy for what I believe, and then I hear what they believe, and I think, well... <laughs> One of us is the crazy one, <laughs> yeah. right? But um, anyway, I, I guess, you know, as, as we dig into that a little bit and we're talking about, you know, the book of Genesis um, and what does that look like, you know, essentially as what you believe, one of the things we kind of left uh, the thought at the end of the last uh, podcast was, you know, if you're, if you're struggling in, in your faith, if you're curious or... Um, feel like you don't understand, or maybe you've been hit with a bunch of information, you go, wait, that kind of doesn't line up with what I thought I knew, uh, the encouragement was to dig. Yes. So um, you just uh, wrapped up some parent-teacher conferences <laughs> this <laughs> yes, evening. Yes, I have. Um, and, and so, you know, I'm curious about uh, what does that look like for you professionally uh, when it's time to dig, whether it's um, if you're discussing scientific laws, 
mm-hmm. or you're discussing scientific theories, right? And there's a there's an important differentiation between those two things. And sometimes yes. I think we uh, we hear or we may be inundated with information that is theoretical and just told, well, this is this is science, so it's fact. Mm-hmm. But remember, you know, science at one point said the world was flat. Yes. Uh, and there's some people that are claiming that again today. But, um, you know, science is ever developing because we're ever discovering. Yes. Um, so the, the important differentiation between theory and law in science. But what does that look like, the idea that you dig uh, into, you know, biblical uh, concepts mm-hmm. as you are discovering scientific theory or discussing scientific law? Well... I, and you're correct in the fact that we you need to understand what um, scientific law is. Law of gravity. It happens every time, mm-hmm. right? It's, it's just matter of any kind is going to be drawn down to this earth, basically. Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> that principle works every time, mm-hmm. okay? Until you get out in space, away from the earth's, Away from something that's massive, right? So yeah. if I understand, I don't really understand gravity, but I know it hurts when you fall. Um, but it's the mass of the object that you're drawn towards, right? Mm-hmm. So on Earth, it's the mass of Earth that gives us the gravity that we experience. And that's why it's different in space, different on the moon, right? That's why you can kind of bounce on the moon because yes. its mass is different. Yes. And and so so laws... They happen every time. Mm-hmm. And now when you get into theory, uh, you always bring up the term an, uh, hypothesis, right? Remember so that? you're going scientific method. Exactly. All right. Of course, I haven't been asked to teach that the last couple of years because a lot of it's moving away from that, but that's a different... Well, I'm point. curious about that, so let's, let's circle back to it when we have a moment because... You know, that was scientific uh, method was pounded when I was oh, yeah. in school. So, but I'm sorry, I interrupted. Yeah, that's all right. And, and, and so, understand that when a hypothesis, now, of course, we would, as, as teachers, we really simplify it. It's an educated guess. It's a little more than that. Mm-hmm. It's, it, it's based it, on evidence, it's right? It's based upon evidence, it's based upon data, um, it's on, based upon knowledge of what we know. And so you're putting all the pieces together, and you make a hypothesis, right? Mm-hmm. You remember that. And in order to try to prove your hypothesis, you have to test it, right? You're going to do some research, but that's really what came up with your hypothesis to begin with. So now you come up with a way to test it. Mm-hmm. And so you do your best. You go out there and you test it. And your results from that testing will either confirm or disavow your hypothesis one mm-hmm. way or the other, right? And, and and the thing is, is always with, with students, you always try to remind them, it's okay to get your hypothesis wrong. Right. Because if you're, you, it's all right to have one and you test it and you find out it's wrong, it, hey, it's that's okay. It's part of the process, right? Eliminating variables. Yes. Right. And so, you, you know, hey, you know, it, they get so flustered sometimes so upset oh my, my hypothesis wasn't right yeah. oh well that's fine all you got to say is my hypothesis is wrong and why 
Right. Right? Tell us that because of the data pointed elsewhere. Okay, good. And then you develop from that, you develop a new hypothesis. Exactly. Right. And so laws happen every time. So that law becomes fact, if you will. So um, it happens every time. So from that hypothesis, from the theory, you mm. create the, the hypothesis now. This happens every time. I can go into that lab and, you know, you probably remember going into a lab once or twice when you were in high school or college and, and they, they give you lab procedures. Okay, you do step one and get step two and there is an expected outcome. If you do it right, your answers, every, your outcome is going to fall in this range. Right. Okay, it's expected. And if it falls outside of the range, now we know that you must have hit, you must have messed up somewhere, right? Right, but it's because it's been tested, it's been proven time and time and time again. It works this way, right? So that's why it becomes fact. That's why Newton's law of gravity and his 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 three laws there um, are what we call consider fact. His laws of motion they, they happen every time, right? So. When we're talking about the Big Bang Theory, yep. it could be anything with evolution. Guys, anything. All scientists have are hypotheses. Okay. You can say, well, okay, now, why do you say they're just hypotheses? Well, number one, we can't go back and actually test them. Right. Now, we could set up something kind of, sort of, but still far out there, and then kind of hope and, and to say, hey, yeah, this is a similarity or whatever. But in reality, we can't test those hypotheses. Right. So none of that, as far as a scientist, as far as, as we're concerned, cannot be proven as fact. So when we're talking, oh, the, we... We estimate the Earth to be 1.8 billion years old. We don't know. Hmm. We're, we're, we're taking our best guess, but we can't prove the hypothesis. So do I understand correctly when they estimate the age of the universe to be like 14 billion years, Something. right? Is that just because that's as far as we can see in terms of sources of light that are that old? It's um, it, it's coming from the basis of our knowledge is only taking us back so far of of how we can test things. Okay, you know it's like testing um, the age of the Earth, mm -hmm. radiometric dating. Mm -hmm. Okay, so we we basically you're you're, you're nuking this piece of dirt here mm -hmm. and carbon dating that carbon on there and 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 getting the results from it right and so radiometric dating is we know how fast carbon decays right yes. radioactive decay of carbon is that yeah how you would state it um, and so we're measuring matter yes and comparing it to what we know about how carbon decays over time how we think it decays over time okay because here again 
that's not a fact because we can't do it over and over and over and get the same kind of results every time. So you're saying if we test, I don't. Can you te- can you carbon date a rock? They they try and they do. So or let's say it's a fossil. Let's say it's fossilized material. Mm-hmm. So you can carbon date that. Um, if we measured the same fossilized material mm-hmm. 100 times, would we get s- similar results 100 times? Would they be, would you get, not, like, is it 90% Well, here, here again, now you're, you have to use what is similar. Okay. Okay. Sure. So, you, so your baseline what what are you judging from your baseline? It kind of gets it, wider and wider as you're doing the. Well, test. it could, yeah. you know, if if your baseline is going to be very narrow, it could easily be outside of that baseline. Okay. If it's really broad, and you make it broad enough, hey, yeah, everything fits. Okay. You know, so you can say, yeah, hey, it works every time, but it's it's all based upon what what are we. So would you say that, we place that on radiometric it? carbon dating is? A reliable method to test the age of matter for what we have today yes but us our interpretation of the data from it still um, it's up in the air for debate is there a sense of what variables can can make that method fail or be inaccurate? Well, in that spectrum of carbon dating, there are, they have found particles that are, I don't want to use the term outlier necessarily, but they're, it's real tight, but let's say you're here, but those, there's particles out over here that have a half life of half a second. Okay. (laughs) So they're going, decays real fast. It's here and then it's gone. It's like, okay, what this in the early days, the scientists weren't looking for that, didn't really care about that, so they dismissed that data. And they were focusing on just the carbon. Because it was hard to measure. It was hard to measure, and it, you know, it's still a new thing. Right. And trying to figure out what this all means. So their focus was really centered. And this other information, they just kind of, you know, we don't know what it is and just push off on the side. Well, as the years go on, other scientists start looking at some of this data and start, man, this has a way too fast of a lifespan. You know, the half-life's going way too fast at a half a second. You know, what's causing that? And some of their theories leads into a little bit of my theory is that something happened just like that. And it's we're like talking origins and causation. Or origin and causation. This is why I bring in the Big Bang Theory. Right. Because while I joke about the fact that God spoke it, bang, it happened. Yeah. But something be. happened that fast. That's the it, idea. And, and we, I could say, yeah, God could easily speak it. Mm-hmm. I mean, he says, let there be light. Boom, 
There's light. And there's light. I mean, okay, so the scriptures, that's what the scriptures say. This theory kind of, in a way, could support and back that up. Hmm. Well, okay, if that happened, but how do we know that that's still happening? Well, we have scientists today using like the um, Hubble telescope, some of these other observatories, they are observing that our universe is still expanding. Right. Well, let's see, God's word, he spoke it, it's still going. It could still, okay. that creative power is still going. Kind of like, well, maybe this is a bad example because it's pretty limited, but we, so part of the, like these telescope arrays that we have, they can look like giant satellite dishes, Yes. Right? Um, so don't they send like radio waves into yes. space and don't those just travel forever and ever? For the most part, yes, unless they hit something and, and causes back. them to reflect back. Right. And, and, and a lot of times that's what they do to test uh, distance. Right. Because we know how fast like a radio sonar, wave... Right? huh? Like sonar. Yes. Right. I mean, we know how fast radio waves travel, so, oh, we see an object out there. Let's send it to that object so it can hit there and bounce off and come back. That's crazy that we do that. And, and so that time, okay... So we could tell, okay, now we received the message, so now mathematically they can figure out uh, how far away that object is mm -hmm. and, and, and on its return. So we know that the same length of time going there and coming back is going to be the same length of time. So whatever that time was, let's say if it was 10 seconds, then we know that that object is five seconds away. Right. Because it's five seconds to get there and then five seconds to get back. As long Just, as it's not interrupted by some other... Exactly. Okay. Boom. So then we can judge, oh, now the radio waves are traveling at such and such a speed. Boom. Five, you know, five seconds times that, that tells you how far away the object is. Right. I mean, that, that's very simplistic. Yeah. These guys are using, you know, computer-generated uh, equations to finish, you know, figure out a lot of this stuff. But, yeah. But that's how we, we find... And then, so when they go back to that same object again... And now it's not 10 seconds, it's 12 seconds. Right. Wait a minute, how can it be 12 seconds? Okay, because so they wait some more time, they do it again. Now it's 14 seconds. Because the universe is expanding. It's expanding. Right. So now those set objects are moving further away from us. So this follows uh, a law of thermodynamics, right? Yeah. The expansion of the universe yes. has to do... I think it's the second law of thermodynamics, which is entropy. Oh, is that right? Could be. You got me on that one. Right. I wasn't prepared for the laws of thermodynamics today. Our listeners can test me on that, but I think it's entropy. And the idea that everything moves from a state of organization to disorganization. Mm -hmm. right? And so uh, in the beginning, right? whatever you believe about the beginning, if it's Big Bang, if it's God spoke, um, there was a significant amount of organization. And then as it expands you experience disorganization. But if I understand the second law of thermodynamics even a little bit, the Big Bang Theory has to break that law a couple times in order to do what it did, right? So you've got chaos in the cosmos that somehow organize to create this bang, right? We know that a bang, whether it's an explosion or, or whatever you might call it, creates then chaos again. And so from that chaos, it would have to reorganize yes. into 
you know, simple life form that then would, um, then then would evolve, not just within its own species, but to other species. So for the, if the law of thermodynamics is a scientific law, then we would assume that it's an eternal law, mm -hmm. right? And so it was present at the beginning. Then the Big Bang theory breaks that law twice yeah. before you even have a single cell organism. I mean, think about it just um, with the, within the planets. You know, we have our sun, and we have our planets that are uh, revolving around our sun. Mm -hmm. That's organization. Right. And our Earth tilts towards the sun and away from the sun that forms our seasons. Right. That's organization. 23 and a half degrees on its axis, right? Yeah. Well, I'm going back to high school. <laughs> okay. So, so what we're finding is things are so organized. Not only not only are they so organized, it's all interconnected, right? And it's all working together and functioning smoothly per mm -hmm. se, right? Until of course, until sin jumps into it and messes everything up, and that tries to create the chaos again. Yeah. But we had we have organization. Well. That's where the one theory is talking about if there is organization, there must be a creator. There has to be a higher order thinking being to put everything in order because there's order. Right. Okay. Order just doesn't happen out of randomness on all on its own. Well, and that's, we discussed last week the, the age old uh, logical argument, the Kalam cosmological mm -hmm. argument. And so I'll restate that. Uh, everything that began to exist was created. Mm -hmm. The universe began to exist, therefore it was created. That's mm -hmm. the Kalam cosmological argument. <laughs> and so it's a logical argument that still holds true today, 1,300 some odd years later, um, that order doesn't come from chaos, mm -hmm. essentially, is, is what that's saying. And that everything you see in your world that began to exist. So whether mm -hmm. it's your shirt or your watch or your computer, you know, regardless of its complexity, if it began to exist, it was created. We mm -hmm. see that all over the place and we accept it mm -hmm. with the exception of our world, our universe, right? <laughs> so, uh, but one of the things I want to jump back to because you, you were mentioning um, or we were discussing the, the difference between laws and theory and we talked about the theory of evolution, right? Because we mm -hmm. weren't there to observe Correct. and record data. Uh, would, can the same be said about your faith in terms of origins, right? So we weren't there to observe or record, right? So I'll play devil's advocate. Mm -hmm. If you're telling me, you know, as someone who might believe in the theory of evolution, that it, ha it can only be a theory, it can't be established scientific fact because we didn't record and observe. Um, well, I would say to you, well, no matter how old you think the world is or, the, or our solar system or our universe, you also weren't there to observe and record. So therefore, your beliefs are a theory too. So how do you engage in that discussion? The... Um uh, I believe it's in Romans chapter 1. Uh, Paul writes that 
inside of man, they know that there's a God. I okay. don't know if it's in verse 6, 8. <clears throat> I have, I'm relying on you to be able to <laughs> give me the right chapter and verse. But I think it's Romans chapter 1. But in there, Paul's making the argument that, uh, that um, even if you never heard the gospel, you knew there's God. There you knew that there was a, a, a supreme being, if you will, that had to make everything and put everything in order. Right. You know that. It's down, it's inside of your soul. You know he's there. Now, the atheist tries to push that person down and, and you know, the agnostic, you know, and yeah, you know, they're all trying to push it away. Yeah. But yet they really know down deep inside that there there has to be a, a a creator of some kind. Now, whether they truly want to believe that it's in it's in God, mm -hmm. uh, I, I refer to him as Elohim, Yahweh, right? You can believe that he's there, or there's people. There's plenty of people that believe in other gods that aren't alive, mm -hmm. that haven't had the uh, uh, the power to inwardly convict you to know yeah there is something a higher power there so you're saying god has revealed himself to us through the creation around us yes and that man can know him through that yes right that's what scripture says um and so as you have that conversation with someone who doesn't have that same set of beliefs as you um you know, I think the encouragement is, uh, I, I've said it before, but you're not going to argue someone into your correct your your faith. Um, maybe better stated, you're not going to argue someone into heaven, right? Correct. Um, but I think that finding that common ground, right? And so mm -hmm. someone might say, well, an atheist and an evangelical Christian, they're on opposite ends of the spectrum. They're, they're polar opposites. But the common ground is we... We believe in a source. Yes. Right? There was an origin. There was a source. Something, this universe began to exist. Mm -hmm. What do you believe about that? And you can get into some pretty far-reaching theories. True. And then you can get into some stuff where, you know, it's, life is trying to be explained without God. We would say, you know, life doesn't exist without God at all. Um, you know, in the New Testament, we read that by Christ, everything was formed. Everything's held together mm -hmm. uh, through the power of Christ. Um, so yeah, I mean, it, it's important for us to be able to engage in that discussion with someone who doesn't have that same set of beliefs as us. Um, but I think in order to do that, not that you need to know so much about what they believe, but you really need to know what you believe. Yes. Right. And when, when you come to Christ, you would internally, most people, I, Hey, if, if I'm going to say Jesus is my Lord and Savior, if I'm going to believe in God as my sovereign, I need to know more about him. You're absolutely correct. But you're also going to start changing how you're going to view the rest of the world through the lens of the scriptures. Because when I, as a Christian, and as a scientist, I look at everything through the lens of Genesis. Okay. I'm looking at, okay, God says this. Now, how does the, everything else match up with what God said? Okay. I am not trying to match up what God said with what you're presenting. 
Okay. You see, because, see, this is the lens that I'm viewing the world through. Right. And because I believe he's my creator, he's my deliverer, he's my strength, he's my high tower, guess what? I believe what he says is true, so I'm going to take this, and this is my lens to view all these things. This is why I gravitate a little more towards the big bang of that God spoke it, and just, and, and we have it. We have scientists out there that relatively believe that some, you know, like you said, things just randomly came together and all of a sudden there was I mean, a what's spark. The, what's the probability of that? It'd be, I'd be curious to know mathematically. Oh, man, it's, it's ridiculous. Right, because how many times does that have to happen and fail and happen and fail and happen and fail before it And here, here's works? the next thing. So we were talking about theories and everything. So it happened once. Mm-hmm. We cannot duplicate it. We cannot find any example of duplicating it. Mm -hmm. Wow. Well, isn't that the why there's the search for the theoretical particle, right? The Higgs boson yeah. particle? Because that's the thing. I think, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that part of uh, particle accelerators, that they're, I mean, lots of scientific developments happening because mm -hmm. of particle accelerators. But... Um, one of the things that we're trying to figure out is what gives matter mass. Mm -hmm. Like we still don't know that. Um, you know, I remember reading that, um, you know, going all the way back to like Einstein and his theory of relativity, which that'll be a topic maybe for next time. Why is that still a theory? Mm -hmm. Right? Because I don't understand that because it seems like we use it for everything. Yes. We've seen it work, right? The Manhattan Project mm -hmm. and atomic weapons, like if we split an atom, what the compounding result is, and we saw that in Hiroshima and Nagasaki and the mm -hmm. other tests that we ran. Um, so why is that a theory if we see it working over and over again? So maybe you can fill me in on that next time. Um, but what gives matter mass, another thing that I read once, and maybe we're further along scientifically, but is that we've never been able to really see an atom. Now, I know there's atomic microscopes mm -hmm. that can see the reflection of light on atoms, mm -hmm. but and again, maybe this is for next time too. We, we seem to know a lot about atoms. Mm -hmm. There seems to also be some theories, right? Yes. Like dark matter, dark energy, that mm -hmm. kind of thing. Um, but, but it's interesting to me to, to have a theory mm -hmm. of relativity, special and general relativity, to see that it works over and over again, to see even the devastating effects of it working over and over again in nuclear weapons, for it to still be a theory, and then also to go, Man, we know an awful lot about atoms, but maybe we haven't even seen one single atom. Um, and again, I, I could be wrong. Maybe science has come along, technology has come along enough now that, that we have. But at one point, it was we could see the reflection of light on a group of atoms, um, but not isolate uh, and, and think about how small an atom is, right, to be able to see that one thing. So, so you're getting into what we'll call chemistry. Mm -hmm. um, your basic carbon atom was, has what six? You know, um, six protons, I think. Um, I'm just going to trust Six you. neutrons, I think it's right. carbon-12. <laughs> so six protons, six neutrons, and six electrons. Oh, man. And we know, what's it, we know what's in this nucleus of the protons and neutrons, and we know that these electrons orbit right. uh, around the nucleus. But you want to know something? There's order in that. There is order in that. You're right. I mean... It happens, and this is why we know this is fact. A carbon atom will always have this. Right. Carbon-12 will always have six neutrons 
and then we'll have six uh, uh, protons and six electrons. The, the number of electrons and protons are always going to be the same there. We're going to keep them electrically neutral here. Mm -hmm. So we won't have any ions or anything else. And it happens every time. And if I want to take a proton out of the carbon atom, it's not a carbon atom anymore. Right. Okay? Or if I add an extra proton into it, it's not a carbon atom every, any, anymore. And it happens the same every time. There is order. We, we, the advancements we have made in chemistry with atomic level things mm -hmm. is just, it's unreal how quickly we've advanced. Right. But because we base everything upon this order. Where we have the expectation that it will be that way. And, it, and, and it, that's what helps and us it matches, the next yes. scientific development. And here's the thing. Do you just think that this happens randomly, that we, that these atoms just somehow occurred? Well, and that's, I think that that's what brings us back to math and probability, right? What's the mm -hmm. likelihood of that actually happening? Oh, it, so next time, you're going to teach us about atomic structure and order and how that points to a creator. Be okay. ready for that. Um, Might want to write that one down. <laughs> <laughs> and then, um, and I, but I think, you know, one of the encouragements that we're going to leave with is... Um, not just not just knowing the science, right? Because you can you can talk to science, talk about mm -hmm. science until you're blue in the face, and eventually you're going to get to theoretical things, mm -hmm. and then you're just arguing theory and arguing theory and arguing theory. But know what you believe, mm -hmm. right? Um, and and know what points back to, you know, in science maybe they'll call it an intelligent design now, um, yeah, right. But because yeah. they don't want to say creator, but intelligent design. And that gives the option for like alien life form seeding our planet with life and so on and so <laughs> forth, right? I've, I've heard that too. But know what you believe, why you believe it. But And like we said at the end of the last episode, continue to dig. And that's really what we're doing. We're kind of digging into it in the discussion. Um, and then one of the other things that, you know, because we've approached uh, Genesis, as you said, that's, you know, foundational for, uh, for your research, mm -hmm. you know, seeing through that lens. And so, you know, there's, there's theories even in and among Christendom uh, about what that meant, you know. Mm -hmm. So, um, and you can give the short answer to this, and, and we'll dig a little deeper next time. But, you know, one of the, one of the issues that uh, really separates strongly those who might even say, yeah, the order points to design. There had to be mm -hmm. some, some intelligent being that gave us the order we experience, mm -hmm. um, and then you know the the Christian that would say, well, yeah, that's God, um, and and so how do you have that conversation? And and then we would look to Genesis and say, can what we read in Genesis be interpreted literally? Mm -hmm. And we mentioned that a little bit last time, uh, but I think we should dig into that uh, a bit too. Scientifically, mm -hmm. can Genesis chapter 1 be interpreted literally, that it really happened in seven 24-hour periods, or does that have to be more allegorical? Does it have to be more of a story set to kind of tell the, the broader point of a much larger period of time that mm -hmm. uh, living things came to be? Mm -hmm. um, so I guess the yes or no is, Scientifically, can you interpret Genesis 1 literally? Science has not been able to disprove anything coming out of Gen Genesis chapter 1. 
They okay. haven't been able to disprove anything. Okay. So <clears throat> with that said, and you look at it through the lens of believing Genesis 1, never been dip- disproven, God, God left it that way, and it, you see, the stories were passed down from generation to generation. We know that. And we know that, um, was it Moses, either he personally wrote it or, or was it Joshua helped pin a lot of it, mm-hmm. you know, through Moses telling them. But the, the point is, is that God's not going to have something out there that's going to say, no, I, I'm just messing with you guys. No. no, what he's having is there for a reason, for a purpose. Now, we have Christian scientists that can definitely say this world was created in seven days. Mm-hmm. And uh, you have uh, ICR, the Institute of uh, Creation Research. You also have Ken Ham's uh, Institute over there was in Kentucky, I believe. Mm-hmm. I mean, so you have, you have these two research institutions that they have scientists working really hard and they're studying all of this information. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would encourage any listener and any Christian, you can go to, it's the Institute of Christian Research, ICR. I think you're a, a follower of that. You have yep. that and I, yeah. I have that too. And, uh, you can look at their past articles to what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. We're talking in generalities here. We're not really, really hardcore sure. specific. You have to understand that. So we're really general. So don't say, well, you said it like this. Eh, just well, remember. I think it's about the conversation. Yeah. And, and, and so when I'm having this conversation with uh, an unbeliever, you know, I'm always going to present it to them. Well, why do you think there's order? Do you mm-hmm. think order can come out of chaos? And then why? And the do, second law of thermodynamics says no. Uh, yeah, and, and give me the inf- so what you have to do is get the non-Christian to start explaining their views because right. what happens is now it makes it easier for me to say and to lead them. Well, Genesis says this, mm-hmm. so now we have information right. that leads to this point here. Yeah, but we're we're banking on the authority of Scripture in that conversation where someone might not recognize that. So I Correct. think you're right that that talking about the laws and the theories, the laws that govern mm-hmm. science, the theories that try to explain new things, um, that should be part of the conversation too, right? Mm-hmm. And just like you asked the question, can order come from chaos? Mm-hmm. Scientifically, no. Um, and then we would say, well, through the lens of Scripture, we agree with that, mm-hmm. right? That's what Scripture says too. Um, so I look forward to that yes. next time. <laughs> uh, one of the things I think that that we'll get into next time as well as we talk about can Genesis 1 be interpreted um, literally according to science is also the language that's used, the original language. So yes. that'll be my responsibility. Your responsibility will be the scientific <laughs> side. Um, but when we look at like the, the word for day in yes. Genesis 1, you know, what did that mean? Because in Scripture we see you know, a day meaning 24 hours. We see a day meaning a period of time, like the day of the Lord, mm-hmm. uh, the, the a reign of a king could be the day of, so on and so forth. So we'll look at that as well. But the encouragement is to dig, like dig. we said last week. Dig. and do, you, do your research. And know why you believe what you believe. Most definitely. And don't be afraid to have those conversations with folks, even if you're not the expert, right? Because I believe 
that all of the power and authority is in Scripture, that it's God's Word, mm -hmm. uh, and that the Holy Spirit is the one that's going to move people's hearts. Exactly. So, all right. Well, thank you, Carrie. Well, thank you, Chris. All right.